Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. This week on our episode, we talked about the kickoff of our Yes If series. Specifically, we talked about hospitality. How does hospitality manifest itself in the local church? What are some specific things that we can do to have the hospitality of Jesus? We talked about all those sorts of things. We also got in some arguments about British English versus American English, and I think I won. You'll have to wait to find out and vote which which one of us won this argument. But without any further ado, let's dive right into this week's episode. We're live. We're, we're watching YouTube videos of ourselves. <laughs> Act like <laughs> that's, idiots. That's become our content in our contentless podcast. Yeah, I was watching, so we did a short video of us on this ep- on this show talking about how we have no content. And then the next <laughs> the next week... We start our show while watching the video about how we have no content. <laughs> Still looking for donors. Incredibly, nobody signed up. Oh, man. Oh, uh, man. You guys got a kick out of that, evidently. Yeah, You're like, yeah, that's true. I will share that with my friends. Yeah, that this, I will the, my share favorite, that. My podcast of choice has no content. Yeah. Um, so question for all of you. What does the word homely mean to you? Mm. Because Alex is wrong. Uh, it might depend on whether you're British or American. And, and and if you're British, it has two meanings. Yeah. So we got a question that came in and they said, I love the homey feeling of having everyone together at church on Sunday. So we had a, both our services combined on Sunday. And, and yes, it was a very homey feeling. Or a home-like feeling. And then Alex kept misquoting the question and saying homely. And I said, I have this negative connotation with homely. It like It's like a person that's not you know, desirable or something. And he's like, look up the definition. First definition, an undesirable, unattractive person. And then it's like British definition, homie. (laughs) So let's just use the word that works for both of us. Yeah, but it's like, it's, I mean, Elrond's house, Rivendell, the last homely house. It's like, it wasn't an ugly house. It was an attractive house. I, I, I mean, I just, I want to reclaim homely. I think it's been co-opted into something negative. Um, yeah. yeah, I wonder what the uh, the etymology of homely going from meaning a nice thing to yes. an ugly thing. And also as well, do, I mean, how many people use the word homey today about people in general? Like, do you say someone looks homey? No, Home, homely? Th- I might homely, say, sorry, homely, you're my homey. homey. <laughs> <laughs> you're my say, homey. Do you say that's a homely looking person? No. You say they're kind of homely? I don't know. Um, Yes. Okay. Maybe. What does comely over here mean? Does that mean attractive? Nothing. Okay, so like... We don't use that word. Like like in 18th century English or whatever, to say someone was like comely looking was attractive. I've decided that you were born into the wrong century. (laughs) I was was born into the correct country for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like Alex is an old soul. He's like, yeah, reading all these ancient authors. The fun fun thing we get to do, as always, when these questions come up is we get to say who was born in a country that invented the English language. I wasn't born in a country that spoke English. So, um, <laughs> English has quite a good spread in Africa. Not in the country I was not born in, in at in the, the time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, French yeah. was the national language. Hmm. That's why your French is so good. Anyway. Hello, everyone. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, we know you're here. We're Yes, we're talking. The show just started. Um, but uh, a couple orders of business. Again, reminder, um, 
our only real marketing stay, play it platform is this. And so we're going to say we're going to have a live in-person recording Q&A session mm. in 6510, September 11, 630. Mm-hmm. Coffee shop will be open. Um, join us. Bring your questions. Um, if yes. they're really, so really hard, Alex will ask. Pickleball paddles. Uh, really? Yeah. I don't know. If you guys bring pickleball paddles, <laughs> um, maybe we'll have a tournament. I had actually someone else suggest that we actually do the tournament as well and live stream it. <laughs> like just Alex versus Aaron pickleball. I love it. Yeah. Um, we could, uh, yeah. Yeah. That could get some views. Yeah. Um, and I would win. Oh, <laughs> just throw, I've never wow. played. Just I think your tennis background would totally mess with your head. Maybe. Yeah. But what about my table tennis background? I don't think any of them. I was, a, I was a youth pastor. So table tennis is like, yeah, it's a must. Yeah. You can't be a youth pastor and not be good at table tennis eventually because you have to play Fair so enough. much of it. Anyway, it will be fun, and we're looking forward to it. And we've already heard from some people that said they've got it booked in. And I was wrong. A couple more of you on YouTube actually said, yes, I would like this. Yeah. So So now there's three of you coming. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Four or five. Oh. They're probably the repeats. There's, us, that's there's probably repeats of the people who are. That might YouTube. be true. We might be hearing there's from the same a, all right. Four people have, have are deciding to come. Um, yeah. So that'll be fun. And this week we kicked off a yes if series. Can you describe yes if why that title? Yeah. So I, I mean, it, to me, it was like this almost like answer to the unspoken question um, uh, up until this point of does the church still matter, which I think has resonated with. Or has been reverberating around the world and perhaps more specifically America for a while. Now, what's the point of the church? Like, is it actually doing more harm than good at times? So, you know, most That's a lot of, of atheist us, thesis. Even like, just... really dogmatic atheists are like, the worst thing that happened to the world is religion. Yes, I think that like... But but even like on a on a... On a more like faith-based group in a more faith-based group the the sort of question has been i I had these heroes and then it feels like they let me down there was this pastor he started this church and then this happened and now i'm like questioning was it ever valuable at all like it's i mean there are netflix everywhere like the hillsong questions they're like they're like it's seems like it's yeah, yeah it's like you know have they done more bad than good this church is closing all over America, like it feels like their influence is slowly disappearing. Politics has like shifted. Like there's the there's the deep involvement of the Republican Party and the evangelical faith, like the deep connection there. Um so I think I think for a load of people the question has been like, well, do we still does anyone care? Like like even from a pastoral point of view, I think there was this moment where something bad would happen, like even back in like 2001, 9 11 people wanted to hear what pastors had to say about it in their local area. And it mattered what they said. Now, like before I would get a chance to say anything about it, like multiple celebrities have had their platform to talk about it. There's been all this different conversation around it, 24 hour news cycles. Like it's it's almost like, yeah, you know, like from a pastoral point of view, why are you here? Um, so, so I think that the, the, I think for me, the heartbeat was we've all seen church done really badly in a way that seems toxic. So does it still matter? Well, yes, if, like the church is still the hope of the world, 
if we can actually live into the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus, which is what we talk about as being here for. Like, that's why we exist. Um, Absolutely. And that's so, sort of like, it's, it's almost just a push again to say, we're not going to accept being the church that doesn't really do that. Um, yeah, We're totally. actually going to wrestle with what does that mean? How do we practically do it in our neighborhoods, in our schools, mm -hmm. in our workplaces, like the marketplace? Like, how do we take that and say, no, we're going to live that out, even, even when it's difficult? And that is the, like, that's the challenge we touched on, right? That I, I was chatting to with someone just the other day, like the moment I take Jesus teaching and say, I'm smarter than him. Um, that's a problem. Like I've, I've really said, I'm, I'm deciding what my religion looks like. Really mm -hmm. following Jesus means saying, no, I'm going to trust that even when I don't think you're right, that you are right. Mm. Um, and that's pretty hard to do. Yeah, totally. So I think that leads us to the question that was sent in this mm. week. It says, I loved the homey feeling. The homely feeling. The homey feeling of having <laughs> everyone together on Sunday. I think that was just a side comment. And then it says, um, can you share specifically what hospitality looks like at South? Mm. What's the invitation to our community to step into the, the, this first pathway? Isn't the answer donuts? <laughs> that's what i thought all this time like we should just change this pathway to like donuts. living in the way of jesus with yeah. the heart of jesus by providing donuts yes absolutely jesus likes donuts um yeah I, I think one i think it is an aside at the start but we did have a combined service this week where we wanted to gather everyone and it felt full and it felt like lively and good like we do two services if you don't come to south and and it's not that there's anything bad with that, but for this season, we wanted to combine everyone. Yeah. Um, and we know that that could get to a point where it feels a little too full, and that's okay. Um, but it was just for this week, for, for these three weeks. So so I, I loved it. You loved it. We heard other people loved it. Yeah, it was fun. So, um, and then to get to the specifics of the question. So what does hospitality look like? So, so one, I think... In terms of general hospitality, not just hospitality that's reduced down to I invite people in that I like, which is really what the text this week is like hoping for. Like the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan that we'll get to is like, I would suggest behind his question of like, who is my neighbor is like, how small can I make this? this definition yeah so like if hospitality to you is reduced yeah i do hospitality like there's like these three couples that i like and i have them over all the time and we're done then i don't think that's jesus like hospitality and it's not what we're really talking about here i would suggest like and again i'm making hospitality intentionally broad because i think in the culture of the first century it was intentionally broad or perhaps unintentionally broad i think hospitality had broad terms it involved lots of people there was general hospitality that was different to today like if so yeah, what do you mean well, well even today in modern day israel if you're a salesman and you knock on the door when people are eating it's quite likely someone will say oh yeah come in have a bite to eat like let's let's share salt together let's break bread together there's a covenantal aspect to that okay that, that we maybe don't understand yeah but um, in other ways they were less hospitable because they were yeah. more tribally minded so like if you were not an israelite and you're a gentile yes. or a samaritan people, which is yeah. where this with the but with the people that were part of your ethnic group 
you were hospitable. And Jesus actually then says, no, take that hospitality, I would argue, and expand it to yes. people that aren't like you as well. So he takes something that's pretty well established and makes it even broader. Totally. Whereas we, I would say, have Which, become people that are like, no, it's almost like a culture of suspicion. Um, we don't, we don't love offering hospitality at all. So to me, it actually all begins at South corporately with, are you willing to notice people that haven't been noticed or perhaps you haven't noticed? Are you willing to actually lift up your, your head to, to observe like more than just the people that you know and like? Yeah. Um, are you willing to, 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 to come closer to those on the margins, the fringe of the community, those that are new to the community? Like if you were being welcomed, what would you want that to look like? Because I think what you see with Jesus repeatedly is this ability to see one or two people in a crowd uh, of a load of other people. You think about like the story of blind Bartimaeus. Like in amongst of a, a whole crowd of people, like walking down a street with pressing on him on every side, he's able to hear the cry of one person who specifically needs it. Yeah. And, and so I think for me, to, the starting point is the invitation of like coming to a community, whether it's on Sunday, whether you are a volunteer in the food bank, whether you are part of a small group or something like Celebrate Recovery, have actually been willing to come to those things saying, Jesus, like, where do you need me to be your hands and feet this week? Or in this moment. So there's the sir, there's one concrete thing is when you show up into the to participate in this community, show up with the intention of looking beyond the expected group of people that you would encounter yes. that you would naturally yeah. be inclined to and naturally you know in uh drawn to and try and find those on the margin. So that's no, no, one concrete. Now, every, everyone, like, has different capacities for that. Like, you or I might walk into a group of, like, you know, 500-odd people and be like, I'd like to have 100 conversations today if I have space for it. Like, I, I, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I have constant energy for new conversations with people. Although I said to someone the other day, I'm suspicious I'm becoming slightly more introverted than I was. Um, yeah, I feel that's like I, how I feel. Yeah. I used to be more comfortable just bopping around and saying hi. And now I like want to go deeper with a few people. So I, I, I think I, I felt like I, I still love that, but I feel like there are moments now I'm like, can I just go like read in my office for a few hours? Um, and, and that's hard to like, to find space for at times. Totally. So I'm like, what, what is going on there? Like, cause there was a season in my life where I'm like, I, I never need that that space but but i think like some people you're like oh my goodness my energy level for sunday is like eh, i can talk to a couple of people um but but again wherever you are like there's an ask yeah that, that i think jesus has for us yeah of don't do community just to see the same people that you know every week like do community to notice people who need to be noticed huh yeah and so to me, so, like hospitality without noticing is not really, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. So I have this confession. Mm -hmm. Someone made a comment that I use the word totally too much during these episodes. Oh, I, well, I, I, I don't think I ever used the word totally till I met you. And I, so I, it's my, it's my like, uh-huh. Yes. Agree. Totally. I agree. You totally. even do it without like totally. To oh, totally. Yeah. 
And uh, <laughs> Bill Wiseman does it as well. And really? I don't know if he got it off you or you got it off him. And so I wondered whether Ryan did it as well. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's Bill's fault. I'm going to blame Bill. It's not my fault, people. But now I like don't even know how to get engage in conversation. Like I'm, I'm frozen. Uh-huh. 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 So I'm totally going to continue to use the word totally because it's always got that. I, I don't know where it came from, but it's got almost like that, like that California. Totally, dude. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Uh, now it's going to be really. I'm now, all derailed now. Now it's going to be more annoying to the people that hadn't noticed. Could it you before. actually repeat everything you just said? Because <laughs> all I could think about was trying not to say the word totally. So <laughs> I'm just joking. Broad summary of what I just said is: in every environment that you're connected to, <laughs> uh, beginning with South but beyond, I would suggest as well. Like even the prayerful question, Jesus, who do you want me to notice today? I love like so. So I know people like I've heard division on. The Chosen as a TV show, because some people, for me, like, like in some conversations, some people said they just add too much non-scriptural stuff. I'm like, well, they wouldn't have a show if they didn't. Like, it'd be a very short show. Yeah, but but there are definite like elements. But but in the episode around the woman at the well in Samaria in John chapter four, there's this bit where where Jesus says she the, the woman says like, well, nobody nobody notices me or nobody like cares about me. And he said, well, I actually came all the way here just for you or something similar to that. Like there's that. And that's the implication of the story. He's in an odd place at an odd time because his practice is to say, where am I supposed to be? What is my father doing in John chapter five language? And he lands in this spot just in time to have this conversation. Imagine a church where everybody did that kind of thing. So, so maybe the pushback, which you already mentioned, like different have, people have different capacities for this, but maybe is that actually community? So like if there's the life doing life together requires a, some measure of intimacy mm. and familiarity, understanding of the other person's story um, when they do something stupid, the empathy for knowing I trust their heart and I know why they said that Mm. thing because it comes from a Mm. place of wounding on and on Mm. and on. These are the things that like a deep relationship has the ability to offer what the scriptures might call, you know, has said, or this like joyful presence that's not possible with the bop around the room. Make sure everybody gets seen for a second. Is that is that fully scratching the itch? I, I don't so, think I'm even saying that. Uh, one, I would say I'm, I'm certainly not saying everyone has to bop around the room for a second. Okay. Like, again, it could be one conversation, two conversations. It could be none on a given week. Yeah. But, but I think being prayerfully intentional about God, like, is there something that you want? Is there something you want me to bring to this community? Uh, and two, I do think there's time for those those moments like I would say regular time for moments of familiarity. I have a small group. I love our small group. Um, like we've been awful about meeting over the summer, but like I love, like we're now talking about, well, when are we starting back up and all those different things? Yeah. Um, but hmm, I think my thesis might be, and I want to see if you disagree with this. Okay. There is no Christian community. There's no Jesus community that should be a permanently closed circle. Oh, yeah. 
I think I, I would agree with that. Like, like I think it was Frederick, Frederick Schleimacher, the, the writer that said, like, imagine Christian community like a circle, which has this, like, almost like a hash line around it that is the circle of people of faith. It's a permeable, yeah. And there's another circle around it that, is, that are those on the fringes. But the goal of the circle should always be to expand to then include those people. And even with, like, the groups systems that we talk about, and, like, we love groups, and, like, you know, hopefully you have a group, find a group, groups are great, start a group, all those different things. Um, I think, like, if Jesus and his disciples are the prototypical group, there's always this this implication of, like, guys, you know, we're not going to get to do this forever, right? Like, it's a season. And then they get all dotted all over the world. Like Andrew ends up in like Thomas ends up in India and Andrew ends up in Scotland. And theoretically they're all, all over the place. Like, yeah, like, like, so, so I think even with like healthy groups, there's this point eventually where you're like, okay, now there's been a season and now there's like other people to find. Okay. So this is where I have some tension. Yeah. So I went through a, um, a disciple making movement training Mm -hmm. And how much backstory do I give? Basically, disciple-making movements is a model of church planting-ish. It's a loose model. There's multiple of them uh, for church planting that becomes a movement or exponential. And Mm -hmm. so it's the fastest growing, uh, it's the tool being used by the fastest growing church movements all across the planet in our day and age. So... I went to a training by one of the guys who was part of formulating these kinds mm-hmm. of models. Um, and the training was centered around these counterintuitives when it comes to this mm-hmm. model. One of the counterintuitives is that you don't ever break up a group. Yeah. If, yeah. If, yeah. yeah. And I, I think I've talked to you about this. He's like, you, you can like secund or, uh, lend a member to start a new group, mm-hmm. but then they come back to their home yeah. group. And his reasoning was like, once you find a group that has a measure of synergy and um, energy and all that sort of thing and familiarity, it can be a life giving environment that then can give that energy away to another group mm-hmm but then doesn't break up the original group. Mm. And I, this idea resonates with me in a lot of ways, purely from pragmatics. Like none of this is in the scriptures. Um, in fact, to your point, maybe some of the opposite is mm-hmm. in the scriptures of, of the disciples breaking up and mm-hmm. traveling all around the world. And that was the typical like way a rabbi worked as well. He had his group for years. They would go off and become rabbis of themselves. Yes. So, um, but then you, and that's the account we have in the scriptures does seem to, to lean that way. Now we don't hear about the Timothy who sits in the same church for 30 years and Even shepherds and pastors, a single church <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that specific person, but, yeah. um, you, you know what I mean? There's not every, most, the majority of the early church was made up of people who didn't move cities constantly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and but we hear the stories about the wild adventurer yeah. missionaries who are traveling all over the. That's you know yeah. most of the. So I love it. We're we're making that brave step of saying 
scripture doesn't say that they split groups so they clearly didn't split groups no i'm i'm saying i'm not saying i'm saying that there's more scriptural evidence that groups did split yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they stayed the unheard the silent ones like we're saying those did stay the same i don't know no, I'm not. I'm not going to read into the text okay, that far. I'm just. Yeah. I'm saying actually, the the biblical evidence is against my case. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But practically speaking, I've experienced multiple groups where we had a bunch of leaders in a group, and we all felt like we should probably take all of this leadership powerhouse mm-hmm. that is our group and split it into yeah. five or six groups, and none of the groups survived. Mm. And that's happened to like two different times where we had a yeah. group that started to click and started to really, we started to really get to know each other and mm. build deep relationships and friendships. And then we'd break into two groups and both would die. Yeah. And so that's, and that was this guy's point. It was a very pragmatic point. He didn't make it based upon scripture. So, so I think, I think and so I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling because there's a pragmatic side. And, and frankly, the model is based upon a broken reality in human beings that like some human beings don't get along with others. And totally. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's very pragmatic totally. I mean, rather like, than, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you've killed our word by pointing it out to everyone. I, I, I just wonder whether like, because I think there is such a thing, right, as a self-fulfilling prophecy, almost, or or a um, yeah. However you phrase this thing, I'm going to unpack. Is it a surprise that if a pastor looks around a group, not that I know the circumstances that you're talking about, looks around a church, like you know, I've done it in like other churches, and like I'm going to pick six guys to start meeting with. Like, there's a possibility that you pick six pretty awesome pretty well-developed guys that are really passionate about the community and really want to invest in the group and and so like you're like is it a surprise it turned out great um and and, and it could be that that's nowhere near what happened in, in your group but but it could be that that it also does fit that as well and so then they go off and they pick guys that are like perhaps a little less passionate or perhaps a little less connected and they start a group and it's like, well, there's the one guy who's like, no, he's really on board. Uh, but there's the others that are like, yeah, a little bit less. So, um, it almost feels like I'd love to test that with something like a draft system, like where you pick, like it's all randomly assigned, yeah, randomly assigned. And then you get to see, no, no, this is just genuinely like, these are the people that like, yeah, this system works. I, 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 I think there's so many things that go into whether a system like that works. Because, because in you know when Bogota and Colombia was blowing up in terms of like the G12 movement, everyone was like their system was like everyone has to have two groups. You have the group you start with, and then you start your own group, uh, and you keep meeting with your group, but then you also sp- you find time for this new group, and then like yep. the people in your group, so it like it spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads. And spreads. Yep. So th- they had some similar premise, like keep meeting as a group, but there's always got to be another group. Yep. And, and that's now, the model. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so that, a that foot in two groups. Yeah. And, and now we're like, Oh no, we don't have time for two groups. Like, we can only do one group. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just, I'm intrigued. Well, and then there's, uh, there's cultural elements to this where um, in a lot of these movements, the, the fastest movements are taking place in highly communal cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they're like, Hey, gather your your group together and we'll study the scriptures mm-hmm. together they gather their immediate family circle which is 35 40 yeah. people 
and that becomes the first church plant. Yeah. And then um, when they find another person of peace, they obviously just more naturally, even social norms would be, I hang out with my family group, mm-hmm. literally my immediate family and my aunts, uncles, cousins, that's sort of, that becomes church, churches yeah. made up of large extended families. Yeah. And so it culturally spreads more naturally mm-hmm. in some of those places, which is why there's not a ton of that movement taking place in the Western world because we're much smaller, less interconnected societies. Yeah. And the examples that they keep giving that I've heard of in the United States, because I've asked friends of mine who are part of these movements, they're like, yeah, it's happening in the States amongst refugees from other countries. (laughs) Now there's little pockets and glimmers of it, but it's, it's doesn't, we don't have, and just the math, if you look at the data, uh, there's a book that's not going to, I'm not going to be able to pull out of the, uh, ether. Yes. Uh, but if you just look at the data about movements, the social networks of the Western world are pathetic compared mm. to the social networks of the Eastern yeah. world. And, and that, that like in terms of depth, especially I, I have a friend uh, back in Michigan, he was a fellow pastor and and he was always trying to recover the experience he had in a different city where he said, you know, we were part of this church. He was working in healthcare, I think, at the time. And he said, you know, we bought a house on this street that was really dilapidated. And then someone else from the church bought a house on this street that was dilapidated. Then we had some people come live in our house because it was bigger than we needed. And there was like, and he said, eventually the whole street became almost this little like, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and so you hear him talk about like, oh, we had that. And then we moved and now we don't have it anymore. Um, and like the heartache of that. Um, yep. like community so community is something that has to be valued and and so i'm not saying this should be a casual like yeah we did a group for a year and it was great and now we're just going to stop because we have to but but i think just by nature of migration of movement of just season of life people leave and, and there should it feels to me be this opportunity to say how do we how do we continually invite people in um and so that the practical application is to to be involved in in a community saying who can I notice? How can I be unhurried in my approach to community? Yes, unpack that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, I, I, th- I think... you talked about that Sunday. To me, there's a deep... Impli- like, like, my reading of the Good Samaritan would be broadly... It's pretty general. There is a specific element to the story, but it's not supposed to stop just with if you see a person beaten on the side of the road, stop and help them. You're like, sermon notes... If I'd see this very specific yeah, exactly. situation, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what to yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if not, yeah. I'm not doing anything. But if, <laughs> if, if you if you think they might be drunk, you get to walk past them or whatever. Yeah, like you know, yeah. it's it's like there's a, there's a why did you get beaten up? Yeah. Oh, it was your fault. Okay, okay you're on your own. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even then, like there's a, there's a practical element to that. I was in Detroit once, and I had a bunch of teenagers with me, and I saw two guys like beating on a, a guy in his driveway and then dashed off in a truck i'm like am i supposed to stop and help him am i supposed to stop and help him when i've got 11 white teenagers in the back of the car that have never been outside their safe white, white suburbs like you know there's all these different elements that, that go on in your mind like yeah. totally as there I probably totally. was for these i uh, thought was for these these people in this story but broadly speaking the story like yes it's got specifics yes take those specifics learn from them broadly the story is about how the the kingdom will challenge our sense of values 
So, so for this specific character, this lawyer that's asked the question, the way it challenges his values is it asks him to put Samaritan and neighbor in the same sentence. Yeah. Without it being a sentence that says a Samaritan is never my neighbor or something like that. Yeah. Like, like he, 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 it asks for that flip on values. It'll ask for flips on values in our own, um, in our own culture. One of which might be, I love going to church to chat to my friends. Uh, The flip might be, God has a purpose for you in community. You are needed here. There is something for you to do. Yeah. So, Uh, so back to the original question that was posed. So you gave some practical things right off the bat, mm -hmm. which is um, show up to when you come to, south as your community show up with Mm -hmm. this expectation to not only encounter other people but to look for people on the margins um maybe another practical one would be uh if you are if you aren't serving in um welcome teams or in kids ministry in in one of these areas those are just really low-hanging fruit that like yeah embodies this hospitality mentality but then think of it that way yeah totally. so 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 when so if you're on welcome teams this isn't like yeah we got to check the box we have to cover this door and this door and this door it's it's this is mission critical Mm -hmm. kingdom of god stuff when a new person walks in here we don't know what brought them we don't know whether they're down and out Mm -hmm. we don't know whether they're craving relationships Mm -hmm. We don't know whether the reason they showed up to church is because the night before they were binging, you know, on alcohol and they suddenly woke up with a a hangover and they were like, I've got to get my life together. I'm going to church. Mm -hmm. We don't know any of those things. And so you become the front lines of encountering that person with the kindness and the grace of God or kids ministry. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the best ways we can welcome the Samaritan on the side of the road is to show up with our kids ministry and, and say, you're not alone in Mm -hmm. the journey of caring for loving on and, and teaching the way of Jesus to your kids. We will be there for you. And you're talking again about like, again, it's a flip in values. Like we need more volunteers in kids ministry. You're right. We need more value volunteers in youth ministry. We need more volunteers in connection teams. We need more volunteers in lots of places. Yeah. Um, the the temptation is to say, uh, and then I would say, like, a couple to that, in our community, we have all the people we need to do all the volunteer roles we need. Just as in terms of, like, giving. We yeah, have we actually all have the, too many. Yeah, we have all the income, like, in all the houses to make South Run as a healthy community. Like, you know, that's all there. There's a temptation to say, oh, we need kids ministry volunteers. I can be a person that checks a box there. The flip in values that I would suggest the kingdom invites us into is to see the privilege of that invite and the largeness of that invite. So the people that do those roles the best are the ones that say, oh, my goodness, this is a privilege to invest in the lives of people in a community. So I'm doing this in a particular way. Now, now an, a, a helpful way maybe of understanding that is, is how you can do hospitality in your own house. You can have someone say, I need a place to stay or come to visit you intentionally. And you can say, oh, yeah, you can sleep on the couch. And right before bedtime, you pull some sheets out of the, the closet and you throw them on the couch and say, yeah, you can make up a bed. 
Um, and maybe that's the best you can do. Like, and in some settings, yeah. that's a great gift. Or you can do hospitality in another way. And one of my favorite like stories or, or like anecdotes around this is, is a lady who used to come to South who, who passed away uh, called Anne Creswell. Uh, and Anne passed away at maybe 93, and she'd written letters to her, her niece on hospitality. Uh, and because her, her niece was just curious, you do hospitality so well, tell me why. Yeah. And she said, well, when people come, I love to like prepare the room for them. I love to, to put fresh flowers in there. I love to think about what I know about them and try and put some books on the side table that I think that they might enjoy. Uh, and then she sums it up by saying, like, I love them to go away feeling like they made my day by visiting. Um, and like, again, like a complete flip, like lots of people would say, I love people to go away feeling like I made their day. But to say, no, 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 they made my day as the host. It was my privilege, my blessing to, to be with you in this way. Like, think about that with, with the way you serve in ministry. Yeah. It's possible that you work with kids and say, oh, yeah, the kids are going to go away feeling like, oh, it was their privilege to have me as a leader or a teacher. It's also possible you can do it such a way as the kids go away feeling like it was your privilege to get to teach them. That's there's a couple a, of people yeah. like there's a there's a volunteer in in, uh, in kids ministry right now that has worked with my kids called Rebecca. And she does that amazingly. like everything that she does. She's thought through like little things that she wants to bring them and stuff like she's got this like heartbeat of how she does that. Like Kevin Royale in, in youth ministry, he does that. Like it's it's incredible. Like you know, he's a yeah. a guy in his like fifties and and yeah. So I, I was playing disc golf with him the other day, and he's just asking some questions about my daughter and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, like don't give any information that you don't feel comfortable with, whatever. But then, like he's like, do you mind if I engage your kids in this subject in this subject? And so he he like, I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, it'd be super helpful if you draw you know my daughter into this this area or help her meet a a friend or whatever, yeah. and. The next week, he's like, "Man, I had a conversation with Piper, and and you know, heard heard her school's going really well, mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Some things that she had some concerns for, and it was just like, yeah, I mean, he's he's taking, he's he's trying to become a better youth volunteer by playing disc golf with a parent, like during a disc golf round with a parent of one yes. of the students. He's, he's like, he's like his, his number one agenda is to get to the bottom of how yeah. can I better serve yeah, he's your not kids? Like, you know, you, 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 you <laughs> if you've ever been in like the corporate world, there's these moments where you end up in like some hospitality thing yeah. and you try and ask questions about like the work and like, dude, we didn't come here to talk about work. Like we're just here to play golf. Like you know, totally, yeah. back off, man. Like yeah. don't ruin our time on the golf course. Um, and you're like, but I actually came because I'm interested in this or, or like, this. Um, like I think Kevin might be my daughter's favorite youth leader. Um, yeah. No, no, not that the others are bad, but he he has this way of approaching it intentionally. Very um, much, yeah. And, and so I think like when you see people do that, you're like, oh, you so get hospitality. Like even the the idea of environments that feel like home for yeah. our staff was this was supposed to be this this like rallying cry of like if you're questioning like i'm doing this event do i do cheap stuff or good stuff as far as budget constraints go like lean into good stuff don't just like just throw it out there like don't just throw the sheets on the couch like think about how you can provide books that people like might actually want to read think about how you can 
give them the sense that no no they made your day by turning up um so let's so can we brainstorm live on youtube a couple other areas of administration we mentioned welcome teams we mentioned mm -hmm. kids we mentioned students so some of our other ministry areas how could someone show up with them with the heartbeat of hospitality in that area well i think you see it like i mean with somewhat some of our volunteers and and staff just redid like the flowers outside the front of the church and and there was this like sense of do we have the budget for that and they were like no we can make that work uh yeah. like they, they so they created something beautiful on a minimal budget because they said no we have the time and we have the energy to and the value on this to make it happen like you you, you think about when people need hospital visitation there's this sense of like, well, yeah, I could dr just drop in and I could be doing everything I can to get away as quickly as possible. So I've ticked a box, but you could go with this intention of what does this person need in this season of life? And that's a hard season. Like, I mean, that that's like, you know, if you've sat by the bed of someone who's dying, like actually all they need sometimes is to just know that you're there. And so then your call is to just sit quietly for some of us. That's a hard thing. Yeah. Um, or if, or if, uh, you know, a really practical one is to be a group's leader and yeah. to say, you know what, in, in our culture, I feel like more and more, this is a reality, and we've had this conversation as the staff, I feel like Western society struggles with relationships. Mm -hmm. Post-COVID Western society struggles with relationships mm -hmm. way more yeah. And Denver is such a transient culture. Like I feel like Denver and and Littleton and all this area mm -hmm. struggles with it. Like we're like five five ticks against us yeah. in knowing how to be just have friends. Yeah. Like cultivate healthy friendships is obnoxiously difficult uh -huh. in our society, in our city, in post COVID world. And you could catch this vision. You know what? I could become a group leader, and I can re ignite mm -hmm. uh, a dream inside of my group of what it looks mm -hmm. like to have friends yeah. yeah um that's gonna i want to be a group leader i'm not a bible teacher i'm not like all this theologian whatever but what i can do is i can i think i can help people learn how to have friendships again or maybe i'm not even sure but i'm willing to try yeah to figure out how to adult humans mm -hmm. in the western world yeah. have friendships that are meaningful so, so like on deep. a broad premise like when we when we started to think about these elements like one of the ways i tried to to roll this out for staff and, and again we do so many of these things imperfectly but we had people over at my house and we were like you know mentally i was like i could just do one thing and it could be good and perhaps that would have been better in fact because like you're trying to do multiple things sometimes you just do none of them well but like, again, it was supposed to be this little microcosm of like, if we can create environments where people say somebody was excited that I was there, that's a big deal. Like when you are there as a kid's leader and you're excited kids are there and they know it, that matters. When yeah. you're a welcome person and you're actually excited, there's still this one guy I think of that, um, you know, in this tiny little church uh, back in Michigan, his name was Chuck. Um, and he was on the door every week again maybe church of 60 70 people um and i would occasionally go because it was translation always... on the door means standing yeah, next yeah, to sorry, the door yeah, yeah, okay yeah. carry yes. on good job 
Sorry, uh, I gotta, it, I'm the translator. He was on the door in a homely kind of way. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, like, and we would go sometimes because it was Laura's Folk's Church. And every time I saw him, I was like, oh my goodness, Chuck, like, you are the best door host I have ever come across in my life. I wish I could replicate you and gift you to every, every single church. church in the world. <laughs> and I wish I could take 10 of you to my church and just rotate you on the different doors because he knew people's names. He was so obviously excited to be there and so obviously excited they were there too. Now, now again, the hard part is sometimes people are just like that and sometimes people aren't. Um, and that's why everyone has their sweet spot. But but my 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 sort of pushback on the personality thing is... It might change how you do something, but I think actually it's just the call of Jesus to be present with people and to be interested in them um, and, and, and to care for them in the moment you encounter them. Yes. I actually just think that's Jesus-like character. All right, so let me give an example of a, a service, a serving opportunity at South that almost talks to very, talks to very few people is very behind the scenes and very, very conducive to an introvert. And that's working on our tech team. Yeah. So, like, our sound engineers, and I, several of them, like, already show this, this intuition around hospitality and what they're thinking. And so they're trying to establish a mix, and uh, they're trying to mix sound for our, our, our corporate gatherings, and they're thinking, um, I have to be hospitable with the volume level and the quality of the mix to try and care for and provide a good experience for mm -hmm. a wide swath of people with all different preferences. Yeah. So they're trying to walk the razor thin line between loud enough that some folks who wishes that who beg that it for it to be 10 times louder feel like, yeah, it, the sound is full and it's high quality mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's nice and fill yeah. filling the space. And there's people who beg for more volume in that category. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to try those people. And, I, and then there's, there's other people who are like, Oh my gosh, why can't we just turn the volume down? Like yeah. the only thing you could do to make me happy here is to turn the volume. Down. And people are in both camps and yeah. they're all gathered together. And so our sound techs are, are trying to with grace and with poise and with wisdom, be hospitable to both those people and to, to walk that razor thin line. And um, I see them do it. That's why they, during our the first few songs of our gathering, they're they're hopping out. They walk around the room and they take sound readings mm -hmm. to make sure that everything's safe and good and within the parameters that we've all talked about. That's hospitality. It's thinking about mm -hmm. the other, thinking about how can I do my role at this place, not not to fit my preferences. Yeah, because even I, a couple of them even said like. If it was up to me, I would do this with the volume. Or if it was up to mm -hmm. me, I would do this. Mm -hmm. with, but I'm not. I'm not the end game. I'm yeah. not the final customer. Yeah. The end game is trying to care for a wide, diverse population, and oh, that's man. a beautiful way of yeah. exhibiting hospitality. And very introverted. Very introverted. Uh, 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 the the uh, like moving around the church, like the food bank, similar sort of like like the way that it's designed to allow people to shop. Instead of just saying, like, there's a bag of stuff. Like, I've been to plenty of food banks that say, yeah, here's a bag of stuff for you to take. Uh, is that wrong? No. But is it an extra mile to say, no, come and choose what you want. You don't always get to make choices. Come come and actually choose what you want to take home. 
Yeah. Uh, like that's a gift and offer to people. It is environments that feel like coming home. It's like exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about. And I think part of the beautiful thing about serving is like, yes, you can come in at it with this attitude of I'm going to, I'm going to give people this sense that they made my day by allowing me to serve them. And what you actually quite often find is they actually did. Um, that that if you're looking for community, yeah. what you actually quite often find is, no, I found community in serving. Um, if you're like, I feel like a bit of a fringe person. If you're not involved in anything, you're probably going to feel like a fringe person. Um, yeah. But actually, like I, I drop in occasionally on like maybe a food bank team on a Thursday morning. And they're like, this is our small group. Like, this is how we do groups. Like, this is when we talk. This is how we, like, you know, they might talk about sermon stuff. They might talk about just life and what's going on. They'll pray for each other, all those different elements. You see, like, all of these ways that, like, this beautiful church invite melds together. Um, and, and it rarely does it when people aren't interested in how they can care for people in the community that might be not physically lying on the side of the road, beaten up, but but might have been a little bit beaten up by life. Yeah. Might be in a situation that they quite don't know how to deal with, can't deal with by themselves, or, or might just need a helping hand on the journey. Just by nature of I'm a child, I'm still growing. Just by nature of I'm new to a community. Yeah. Just by nature of I'm homeless or I, uh, I'm short of food, like all those different elements. Uh, and then there's this like final piece like to me that I love as well which is really, and we, we get to talk about this again in, in week three. I love just like mentally in my mind, like mapping out South. Cause I'm like, well, we've got 65, uh, 60, um, this like big building structure. Yeah. That is like a house that we're trying to turn into a home. And then, then on the map, you've got all these homes of people that call South home that are dotted all over, like in, in intense places in like Highlands ranch and in Littleton. And then like Highlands Ranch is so intense. I mean, what do you mean? I, I meant intense in terms of like like um concentrated. Oh okay. so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. No, it's not intense. It's the I least was like, intense place huh? in the world. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the hardest place I've ever lived. Yeah. It's so like <laughs> not in concentrated places like Littleton, Highlands Ranch, Centennial. And then like increasingly sparsely in dots like Roxborough in like Indian Hills, in like, yeah. you know, these like downtown Denver, Cherry Hills, all these different like little dots around the map. Um, and those are like outposts of community, right? So you live in a street, you get to decide how you care for people on the street. You get to decide like, has Jesus created me to be a specific sort of person? Whether that term is like the person of peace or that term is like, you know, yeah. But, but in amongst your neighborhood, who do you get to be? Uh, and the one option is like you can choose to be the person that just pulls into your garage and like just ignores everyone. And they're just like people that happen to have bought in the same spot. Or you can say, no, God created me and placed me here for a reason. And I'm going to bring all my introvertness or extrovertness. I'm going to bring all of my like easy conversation or difficult conversation, but I'm going to bring all of who I am to this place and say, you call me to have neighbors for a reason. Um, and they might not be like me, but I, I would suggest a good definition of, um, of neighbor in Jesus language is like the, the, the lawyer's definition is the person who is like me. 
Uh, and Jesus' definition is the person who is near to me. Like for him, yeah. it's a it's a like a similarity thing. For Jesus, it's just a proximity thing. Doesn't matter if you're completely unlike the people around you. Yeah. Um, but they're now your neighbors. Um, yeah. so, so like there's this invitation to say, uh, how can I be a Southie like person? Or however you describe that. Probably not Southie because that's a place in Boston, right? I think. Yeah. Uh, a South like person, a Jesus like person. How, do, how can I be a homely person? Yeah, how can I be a homely person um, <laughs> in, in, uh, in the little place God called me? Yeah. It's so like a fun challenge. I always like, I loved this one. And because I generally have like a good memory for stuff and I'm pretty extrovert, I was maybe liked it because it was a bit easier for me than for some people. But like plot out the nine nearest houses to you in your neighborhood and ask like, how many of those people do you even know like their first names? Yeah. Or is it just like, oh no, that's like, that's kilt guy. I can't remember his name, but he wears a kilt like a lot of the time. <laughs> that's Tesla guy. I don't know him, but he drives a Tesla. Or like that's, that's <laughs> annoying dog guy. Like, like if that's the way you know your neighbors, then you're probably operating in that area a little bit more like the priest or a Levite. Um, yeah. Than you are like the Samaritan. Um, yeah. That's huge. Wow. Well, um yeah, I feel like we covered most of the I feel like we covered so, a lot. Are we like fifty-two minutes? We haven't even gone an hour. Yeah. What are we gonna do with ourselves? Is a pretty good podcast length in my mind, but you know it probably is. I it's like, probably when better. Often, like when I see like fifty-two minutes, I'm like, yes, when I see an hour and twelve, I'm like, yeah, you better be really good. Yeah. Um well, there's you no guarantee there's real content. Yeah. No, this is the podcast without content. Remember? A hundred minutes of contentless fun. Our the our our fans' favorite piece of content we ever put out is when we made fun of ourselves for not having content. Yes, that's an achievement. We are content creators. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, look for some ways to be hospitable this week and be creative. It's it's less about being extroverted or introverted, it's less about um, the actual specific location or whatever. You're going to have to figure out creatively some of those things. But it's more about that uh, that heartbeat of seeing, acknowledging, and over the, the top demonstrating the love of Jesus to others. Absolutely. So totally, totally, oh, man, it's gonna get so annoying, gnarly, <laughs> dude. And now I'm gonna talk like this until you know, until I can find <laughs> find the button, you know, oh, man, wherever I the button. Not bu- do an American accent, you, uh... bro. Like I've totally got this <laughs> this voice down, man. Sound like JD. Bye. <laughs>